Good evening, everyone. It's really great to be with you. I hope that you've been inspired over the creation first. I hope that you've been challenged. Um, I want to, I know we did a shout out for the team, the great team who's been kind of like behind this whole event. But I want to shout out to the real heroes because I'm an auntie, I'm not a mum. And I spent the last four nights in a tent with a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. So shout out to all the parents in here. You guys, there are stars in your crown. You are on your way to heaven because you do this thing so well. My sister has everything on lock. She got a wagon. She got chairs. She got a portable potty, everything. I just rocked up with my clothes and I was like, let's do this. So shout out to all the parents. I'm, not, I'm just not you. I'm just not you. You know, I want to give... Um, Another shout out to Rue. I think he really set up this evening because we're going to be thinking about quite a critical question which concerns every one of us in this space. And that question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And my papers are flying away. Who is Jesus? That it is a critical question that we all need to answer. I'm going to read from, for you a passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew. The, the Gospels are just biographies or accounts of the life of Jesus. And in this passage, St. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 17, this is what it, what, what it says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. What about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That is the question that we're going to be considering in short this evening. It's very windy up here. That is the question we're going to be considering in short this evening. Now, this festival is called Beautifully Wild. It's not called Averagely Tame. It's not called Plainly Usual. It's Beautifully Wild. And I would kind of suspect that some of us in here, we like a Jesus who isn't beautifully wild. We like a Jesus who is averagely tame, a Jesus that we can put into our wallets, a Jesus that we can save on an app in our phone, a Jesus that we can put in our backpack, who's nice, who's sweet, who's meek and mild, but doesn't transform our lives, a Jesus who just kind of goes into the background. But Jesus, based on the things that he said about himself, was beautiful and also said some wild things. He's not just a safe Jesus. One of my friends who works in schools, he did a survey. And in this survey of 1,500 young people, they asked them the question, who is Jesus to you? What is Jesus like? And the results of this survey produced a profound answer from these young people. And they said that Jesus is a really cool guy with a beard. That was their answer. 1,500 young people, Jesus is a really cool guy with a beard. And maybe for you, when I, if you think of that question, who is Jesus? You might think, yeah, he's a baby in a manger. You might think he's a moral teacher. 
He's a sage. He's a wise man. Maybe he's an example of how we live our lives well. Maybe Jesus is an expert in first century Jewish law. Maybe he's just a mythical figure that, you know, the church, you just hyped him up. He might have been a historical figure, but you lot hyped him up and he's just there and you've made him into this deity. Maybe for you, Jesus was a religious fanatic and actually his shameful end upon a cross was kind of deserved because, hey, if you go around saying crazy stuff, you're going to have a consequence for that. Who is Jesus? This is the Jesus who said things like, love your neighbor. That is beautiful. But sometimes we forget the wild statement before it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You don't have to commit intellectual suicide to be a Christian. You can love the Lord with your mind. And out of that, we love our neighbor as ourselves. Beautiful, wild Jesus. A really cool guy with a beard. And this question applies to so many of us in here. Because there was a guy who um, has released a book. This guy used to be an atheist. He's a police detective. And he kind of put the life of Jesus under scrutiny. And after his searching, he decided that, you know what? Jesus is actually the son of God. Jesus is God. His name is J. Warner Wallace. And he's recently written a book called Person of Interest, where he traces how even if we were to get rid of the Bible, the person of Jesus and his life and his story and his impact and his influence upon us would still be, would be able to put this together from art, from music, from education, from our literature, from science, and even in other world religions. What is that telling us? The story and the person of Jesus is pervading all of culture. We cannot escape this question. Even if we were to get rid of every Bible, even if we were to shut down every church, our culture is a witness to this figure, this first century man who entered human history and has actually transformed the world. Who is Jesus? That is our question. Who is Jesus? And you know, recently we've had some changes in our government because people have said, you know what, certain individuals, they said certain things, but they acted in a different way. And the gap between the things they said and the way that they acted is what you call a lack of integrity. So how do we judge, how do we assess that this Jesus is someone that we can trust? Someone that he said it with his chest, I am the way, the truth and the life. That is a wild claim, even by today's standards. Jesus said it with his chest, that's big man talk, I'm the way. If you're going to make claims like that, we need to stress test the claims. How do we do that? How do we assess the integrity of what Jesus said and how he treated people? We don't want to see a gap like we've seen the gap in some of our politicians. So I'm going to go through three examples of people that Jesus interacted with. And we get the records of this in the Gospels, in the biographies of Jesus. And also I'm going to be sharing some other examples of how we can assess whether we should trust Jesus and his beautifully wild claim. I'm really fighting with the wind here. The first person, and you might see yourself, you might see yourself in these three kind of examples. The first person is the skeptic. 
We learn. There's an account of Jesus. And you know what? When you're the last speaker after a whole festival of people preaching, everyone's picked the good scriptures. You're left, you know, with anything that no one touched before. But Pastor Dominic, he mentioned the guy who said to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And that question was coming out of a place to trap Jesus. And I don't think that us in here today, when we ask questions, how can we know that Christianity is true? What about other worldviews? What about science and faith? What about the suffering that we see in as well? When we bring these questions, these deep objections to submitting our life to the one who said, I am the way. I don't think we're trying to trap Jesus. It's coming from an honest place. And if you notice, even though Jesus knew that this man was asking this question to try and trap him, Jesus did not shut down the question. In another iteration of another example of this, Jesus says to him, the Bible says, Jesus looked at him with compassion, looked at him with love and said, based upon your answer, you are not far from the kingdom. And maybe you've come to creation for us year after year after year. Maybe you've come to have the ice cream and you've come to hear the music and it's a vibe. But actually, you're not quite sure and you're on the threshold. I want to say to you tonight, you are not far from the kingdom. You are not far from this Jesus who has stepped into human history, who has not been a God who is far, but a God who wants to be known. Jesus didn't shut down his questions. Or maybe you're a skeptic in here. You're a believer. But actually, do you know what? We just came through a pandemic. Actually, do you know what? There's a rising cost of living. Can I trust him anymore? Bring those questions. If Jesus really is the Lord, then he can bear the weight of our questions. You don't have to deconstruct your faith. You don't have to walk away. You can bring the questions that you are wrestling with to him. He didn't shut down the skeptic, even the dishonest skeptic. What about Jesus? How did he treat the marginalized? Again, one of the other preachers, Grace, she touched on this. The woman at the well sent John chapter 4. Three strikes against her. She was a woman. Two, she was a Samaritan. Her ethnicity was all wrong. Three, she had questionable relationship choices. Jesus had every reason not to talk to her. And when his own disciples came and clocked this conversation, they were shocked. Not because he did a miracle, not because he turned the water in the well to wine, but because he was talking to a woman. And this woman was lovingly challenged about her life by Jesus. And she looked at him, could this be the Messiah? She was confronted in that moment, who is Jesus? And when she encountered him, the very community that ostracized her, that she had to hide from, She was the one to bring them the word. The marginalized, the ones on the edge, the ones that society and systems have said, you are not worthy. This really hits home to me because I think about a great narrative by a guy called Frederick Douglass. He was an informally enslaved African, African African-American guy. And he writes in his narrative everything he suffered. And he suffered because... Sadly, Christianity was weaponized against him and many others. And he gets to the appendix of his account. 
And he says this, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Frederick Douglass had every reason to say, do you know what, this thing is not for me. But even through systems of oppression, even through structures which were set up against him, he found something compelling about the person of Jesus. He was confronted with the question, who is Jesus, even in the worst possible conditions. And he could see this distinction. There is something compelling about the person of Jesus. The skeptic, the marginalized. And what about now those who are suffering? Now suffering is timeless and it is universal. Nobody in, in this whole complex escapes the cruel hand of suffering. And every single worldview whether you're religious or not, has to deal with the question of suffering and evil. What are we supposed to do about this? It's not just for the people who claim to have a faith. Every single world of you must answer, why do we suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? What did Jesus have to say? Or better still, show about those who are suffering. Suffering with mental health conditions. Suffering physically. Suffering, suffering, suffering. You know, in 2018, January 2018, I remember the day, the 4th of January 2018. It's before the pandemic. My dad passed away. And if anybody had told me that he was going to pass away in that time of his life, 20 years ago, I would have said, never. He was a strong guy. And then through illness, he just went downhill. And he passed away. And I remember, see, I'm a preacher's kid. I was in church a lot. And so when that happens, when, particularly in the Caribbean community, when someone passes away, people come to your house, the door doesn't stop opening, they're bringing food, they're sitting down, all sorts. And people sent cards, people sent flowers, people sent text messages. It was lovely. But there was this couple who came to my house, and they were actually my dad's preacher friends. A man who had lost his wife, he was a widower, and then he married later on. He lost his wife, and she'd been laying up in bed for two years sick and then she died his new wife she told us about how one day her daughter came home 35 years old and just said mom I've got a headache I'm gonna go lie down and she lay down and she didn't wake back up lost her daughter how can a parent bury their own child and these two people came into my house my dad had died and they sat with me. They sat with my family from the morning until late in the evening. And they told us their story. Sometimes they just sat there in silence as we cried. Sometimes they would tell us a memory about my dad or I'd say, oh, my dad did this and we'd have a laugh. And it was just, they sat with me because in that moment, I knew they couldn't bring my dad back. 
But what I needed in that moment was for people to sit with me in my suffering. Jesus did not only talk a big game, love your neighbor as yourself, but he came and demonstrated that love. He suffered alongside his people. He is the God who knows what it is like to suffer and to suffer unjustly, to suffer under an oppressive um, regime. That is the God who knows what it is like to suffer. Jesus, the one who reaches out to the skeptic. Jesus, the one who reaches out to the marginalized. And Jesus, the God who knows what it is like to suffer and promises a day when all suffering will cease. Who is Jesus? Can I trust him? Well, given the record of some of our politicians, I think that's a much stronger record for me to wrestle with and say, do you know what? I might give this a try. No matter how we try to run away from this, The person of Jesus and who we claim him to be is a question we must all wrestle with. Who is Jesus? I'm going to leave you with a quote from C.S. Lewis, a reluctant Christian. He was an atheist for the longest time. And then he did a lot of thinking, a lot of researching, and he came to the conclusion that Jesus must be who he says he is. And he says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The person of Jesus is written into the pages of our history, our culture, our literature, our music, the way that we do life. And you today are confronted, friends, with that question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you would like to explore that further, I want to give you a challenge. If you've always come to Creation Fest for the fest, I want to give you a challenge Maybe from now until the next year of Creation Fest, go on a journey. Look at the history. Look at the historical record of the person of Jesus. Look at what philosophy has to say about how we get our morality and ethics. Why might that point to Jesus? Look at science. Look at mathematics. Look at the beauty of the world. How is that pointing to the person of Jesus? And if you're here tonight and you would love to respond to that, I would love to pray for you. If you are on the threshold of your faith and you have questions, I grew up in church and I knew when to bang the tambourine at the right time to make everybody think I was in the spirit. I knew when to lift my hands at the right time and do a little shake, hey, hallelujah, to make everybody think everything was going all right. But questions were bubbling away. Is this true? Can I trust him? I would love to pray for you that even in that season of questions, you can be wrestling through that and actually come out on the other side with deeper faith. I think the band is going to join us now. And as they just begin to play, I would encourage you to come. We would love to pray for you. The prayer team is here ready in the green coats. You see them. They're ready to pray with you. Don't leave 
without some encouragement, we would love to pray with you. I'm going to give you a moment. Who is Jesus? invitation to know a personal God not a God who is an just an energy or a force but a personal God who wants to know you come take a moment to pray. The prayer team is there. They're ready for you to have a conversation with them. To be honest about where it is that you are, to receive from the Lord. So I'm going to pray for everyone here. Whatever stage of your journey of faith you might be, skeptic, marginalized, suffering, Jesus is a God who wants to get to know you. So Father, Lord, we give you glory, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor your name, Lord. You are the God, Lord, who has come to know us, who has reached into our lives, Lord. You have shown yourself a God who cares about the deepest questions of our heart. And God, we pray, Lord, for everyone here who is wrestling with questions. Everyone here, dear Lord, who is struggling to say yes to you. Who has suffered and who is hurting, we pray, Lord, that they will encounter you, Jesus, the beautiful, wild Jesus. We pray, Lord, that even beyond tonight, that as they go, Lord, into their lives, as we go into our lives, you will just be speaking to us. You will be present with us, Father. We thank you. You are the God who wants to be known. You are Jesus, and we thank you right now. <laughs>